Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? I love that. I am Dewey Sprinkle. <laughs> so let me throw a couple of, of quotes at you and see if, if you're familiar with them. If you've heard this before or, or you've thought this before, we won't distinguish. Uh, raise your hand, okay? Okay. Uh, I got this. Anybody ever heard that one? How about this one? Uh, if it is to be, it is up to me. You, you got that one? How about you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? You heard that one before? Uh, how about you can do anything you put your mind to? Yeah, man, we got that one. Here's one of my favorites. Anything you can conceive, you can achieve. We got that one, right? Uh, or, or another of my favorites, I am the captain of my own fate. I can't figure out where I'm going for lunch today, but I am the captain of my own fate. And then, of course, for my generation, one of my favorites is I did it my way. I left five marriages in the dust, but I did it my way. <laughs> or if you're a child of the 90s, it's, uh, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Right? It's, oh. is, there any, is there any truth? To the philosophy behind those things? Yeah, there is. You see, the problem is there, anytime you're dealing with a counterfeit, you can talk about a counterfeit $100 bill if you want to, uh, but anytime you're dealing with a counterfeit, most of what's there, a huge percentage of what's there is identical to the real deal. Am I right? It, it wouldn't pass if it weren't, uh, but uh, it really takes a well-trained eye sometimes to pick out the flaws, to pick out the things that are not true to the difference. And so uh, there are flaws, but it takes training and a desire to find them. Make sense? So we're kicking off a new series today. We're going to invest the next five or six weeks of our summer in this, this idea of looking at some of these things, some of these slogans, some of these catchphrases. You see them in memes on Facebook and various places around uh, that, that ring true in so many ways and are accepted generally by our culture, but in fact, they are counterfeits of the truth. There, there's a, there, there's a, a, a caveat to them that says, well, wait a minute, we ought to look at that. We're going to invest some time looking at several of those, and then at the end of the, the series, I'm going to give you a lie detector, okay? I'm just going to give you a tool because we can't we can spend the next three years looking at slogans from the culture, but, uh, but I'm going to give you a lie detector so you'll be able to, to recognize these things when they come along. If you're following along, you can go to the Bridge NC app and follow along with all the scriptures and points that I'm going to share with you today or, or any week. And if you want the manuscripts, then just email us at info at bridgechurch.cc. We'd be glad to send you the very notes that I'm using uh, as we uh, work our way through the message today and, and every week. Here's the bottom line. Our goal through this series is to evaluate our worldview. I don't know if that's a common term for you, if you've heard that term worldview before, but we're going to ask ourselves, is my worldview rooted in Christ or is it viewed, rooted in the culture? We're just going to ask ourselves and challenge ourselves in those, those ways. So let's make sure we're together. Okay, I've got a definition. We'll put it up on the screens. Again, if you've got the Bridge NC app, you can follow along there. But here we go. A worldview is, read it with me, the overall perspective from which one sees and interprets the world. A collective of beliefs about life and the universe held by an individual or group. Ponder that for just a minute while it's still on the screen. Think about it. A worldview is how I see the world and, and how I filter ideas to decide for myself whether they are true or not. A worldview may not be a common term for you, but whether you realize it or not, you have one. 
In fact, right now, today, in this service, you are filtering everything I'm saying through your worldview. And you're asking yourself the question, does that make sense? Is that true? Is what he's saying correct or not? Do I believe that? And so each week through the series, we're going to pull out another one of these common things, and we're going to ask ourselves, is that, is that the truth or is it a lie? And if it is a counterfeit, if it is a lie, then how do we detect that lie? So let's get into it. Let's go back to our statement today. I got this. If it is to be, it is up to me. Sing it with me. I believe I can fly. I can't sing that song without using that voice. I don't know why. It's just how it comes out when I, when I sing it. Do you see the flaws in those statements? Do you see them? Well, let me ask it this way. Does everybody have abilities? Somebody say yes. The fact that you said yes tells me that you have the ability to hear what I just said, to process what I just said, to decide whether or not you want to respond or you're too cool in church to respond, you know, uh, and, and then to voice uh, a, a response. I mean, those are abilities that we all have. The average person has 500 of them. So are, are those abilities worth recognizing and developing? Somebody say yes. Of course they are. Can we determine our own future? To a great extent we can because choices have consequences. And when we make choices, then we set in motion certain consequences in our lives. So, so there's a whole lot of truth in those statements. So what are the flaws? What, what is it that makes them counterfeit? There are two that come to mind immediately. First, uh, what I hear is, is the belief that I have the power to get started. Anyone have a problem getting started sometimes? Anybody? God bless that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. Let me ask it this way. How many of you have a good thing that you want to do in your life and you've been putting it off for six months, six years? I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, I'm going to start that diet <coughs> Monday. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to start saving money. I'm, I'm going to start getting in shape. I'm going to, whatever it is, I'm going to work on my marriage, whatever it is. Uh, I, I'm going to get a new do. I mean, we, we just, it, getting started becomes the biggest challenge of our lives. We're paralyzed by procrastination. The truth is even the great apostle Paul had to deal with this one, Romans seven eighteen. Now I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, we're all there. I want to do the right thing. I just don't have the power to do it. So um, so let me just ask you this. How many of you figured out that good intentions is not enough? The truth is we all have things we'd like to accomplish. We just don't have the ability or the energy or the time or, or the money or the, you know, whatever it is, our performance abilities don't match our performance requirements. The second flaw that I see in this thing very quickly is that uh, it's the belief that I have the power to keep going. The truth is we all have times when we need David's prayer in Psalm 6 too. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are like agony. The truth is, guys, life can be exhausting. Can I get an amen in the house? I love those universal amens. Pastor Jim paraphrased, oh, Lord, I am so tired. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's what David is praying. Anybody agree with me that that we live in an incredibly busy world these days. I read just the other day, uh, I'm a wealth of, of meaningless information, so I'll share some with you. Uh, I read just the other day that the average homemaker walks 1,037 miles a year inside their home. The average employee works more hours today than we ever have in the history of America, not to mention all the other stuff that's pulling at us. And so life becomes kind of this 
this wheel with spokes, and every spoke represents a responsibility in our lives, and we're constantly running out. The family calls, and we run out that spoke to take care of that need. And then work calls, and we run out that spoke to take care of that need. And, and then the sports team calls, and we run out to meet that need. And then the church calls, and, and we run out to attend that event or work that event or do something like that. And before you know it, we're just, we're just run, 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 all until we're just run down. Life can be exhausting. I see you come in here on Sunday morning, an advertisement for Red Bull. I mean, I see it. The before, not the after. Uh, come on. And let's be clear, I'm not just talking about physical fatigue. Sometimes the physical is fine. Sometimes we're feeling fine physically, but spiritually and emotionally, we just feel like quitting. I mean, sit real still. Nobody will know that I just had a microphone in your living room, but... I mean, we get to that place where we say, you know, I'm just tired of working on my marriage. I'm tired of, of refereeing these kids. I'm tired of doing all the stuff that life is calling on me to do. I know I should keep going. I'm just tired. Hear me, guys. If you're having trouble <coughs> either getting started or keep on going, uh, you need to know that if your worldview includes, if it is to be, it is up to me, then that's the way life will always be. You've set yourself up for that. That's what's going to happen. The truth is we have a part, we have abilities, we have opportunities, we have relationships, we have beliefs, we have goals, we have dreams, we have a part, but none of us has all it takes to accomplish all the things that life is throwing at us. It doesn't exist in us. God designed us that way because he wants us to be in relationship with him. He made us for relationship. He didn't make us to do stuff. I mean, he spoke and the world came into existence. What exactly does he need us to do? He gives us those things to do knowing that we would not have everything that we needed in order to do them so that we would call on him to make up the difference between what we're capable of and what these goals, dreams, and needs are demanding of us. This is making sense? And so we just have to stop every now and then and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I bought into the culture, that's a counterfeit. Lots of truth in it, but there are flaws in it, and I'm setting myself up for exhaustion. Here's both parts of what I'm trying to say in one verse. Philippians 4.13, familiar verse if you spent time in the New Testament. Here we go. For I can do everything, period, end of verse. No? Did I leave some out? For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. That says to me that if your problem is I can't get started, God will give you the power to get started. That's what it says. That he wants to make up that difference. He wants to fill in that gap for you. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. That says to me that, that you, if you can't seem to get started then, and you're not sure you even want to, you should, but you don't want to, then pray for the desire to. That's where you start. Just, Lord, give me the desire to do this. Give, give, put a want in me to do that. Stir me up and get me wanting to do this. And if you want to, but you can't seem to accomplish it, then pray for power. And God will answer your prayer. And he can give me the power to keep going. He can give me the power. He can give you the power to keep going. In other words, when I reach the end of my rope, he's just getting started. Isaiah 40 
Do you not know the Lord is God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. You see, because God's power is unlimited, he never gets weary. He never gets tired of hearing from you. He never gets tired uh, of you asking him for help. When you're discouraged, he never gets weary of encouraging you. He's not capable of that because his unlimited power is available to you and he wants you to have it. And I'm not talking about an impersonal force. May the force be with you. I'm talking about a personal God who knows exactly what you need even when you don't know what it is that you need. You just know you either can't get going or you can't keep going to finish what it is you've started. God lovingly knows exactly what we need. The question is, um, how do you get that power? Am I right? Why, 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 why does it some seem to just kind of regularly have this kind of power and other people, followers of Christ, kind of live under a cloud all the time. You ever notice that? I mean, don't look at them, but I mean, is it true? I mean, I've had people say to me, Pastor, I, I, you know, this stuff may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. You, you, you know, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never really felt God's power in my life. I've never seen him do this amazing kind of stuff that I hear you talk about. I'm not sure this stuff really works for me. And you know what my answer to you is? You're probably right. Because the Bible is clear, whosoever will may come. He will establish your eternity just by calling on the name of the Lord. You believe uh, in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. That's available to everybody. But God's power operating your life is not automatic. Do I need to say that again? God's power operating in your life as a believer is not automatic. You've heard me say, if you've been around, that with every promise there is a premise. And if you really want God's power operating in your life, there's a premise that you have to learn and live up to in order to appropriate his power. So I said all of that just to set us up for this, okay? I want to teach you this morning how to appropriate God's power in your life. As I do, I want you to think about an area of your life that you've probably already thought about in just the first few minutes of our conversation this morning, an area where you're either having trouble getting started or an area where you've started but you're having trouble finishing. Okay? I want you to get one of those areas in your life. It might be a relationship, a marriage, a family, a finances. It might be uh, personal health. It might be getting, uh, living a healthy lifestyle. What, just pick something in your life that you recognize if it is to be, it is up to me, therefore it ain't never going to happen. I need God's power in my life. Four parts. This is not a pick and choose. This is not a best of four. Four parts to appropriating God's power in your life. Number one, I've got to admit that my power is limited. I have to admit, if I really want God's power operating in my life, then I have to admit that my power is limited. We have to say honestly before God, I don't have it all together. Will you take a risk and say it with me now, out loud? I don't have it all together. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about me, not you. No, he's talking about you, not me. He's talking about us. I'm talking about us. I don't have it all together. You know what the first problem, that's the reason this is the first part of this journey, is that the first problem for many of us is we think we're God. 
I don't know how long yet I get the honor of being your pastor, uh, but can I tell you this? If you don't learn anything from me in the years that we're together, I want you to learn this. He is God. I am not. Say it with me. He is God. I am not. He is limitless. I am not. I have limits and I need him. And if you don't believe you're playing God, look at your schedule. I mean, who are you kidding? Somebody said, burning the candle at both ends is not as bright as you think it is. <laughs> Man, when I first finished Bible college, 40, none of your business years ago, I, uh, I was ready to take on the world. Man, I was going, I'm going to fix every problem in the world. Every person in the world is going to get saved. All this amazing stuff is going to happen. In my first pastorate, uh, the first Sunday morning that Kim and I went to our first pastorate together, uh, I think we were still engaged at the time. We weren't even married yet. And she came with me, and we sat in the adult Sunday school class on our first Sunday. And halfway through the class, the, the lady teaching the class stopped and said, Oh, I guess I should acknowledge that our new pastor is here today and his wife, and, and they're in our class today. Welcome, Pastor Jim and, and Miss Kim. We're glad to have you. Uh, with us in our church, and we're looking forward to getting to know you better. I, I probably should let you know uh, that we were here before you came, and we'll be here after you're gone. And, uh, and so around here, if we fight, we don't fight with each other because we have to live together. We fight with our pastors. Okay. <laughs> Took about two and a half years for that lady to pick a fight. I mean, so I thought I did really good. I mean... <laughs> There are situations I can't fix. There are circumstances I can't control. Can I tell you that the second best day of my life was the day I resigned as general manager of the universe? I said that was the second best day. You know what the best day was? It was day number two when the universe didn't fall apart after I resigned. If you really want God's power in your life, you have to acknowledge I'm human. I have limits I need God's power. Even Paul had limitations, and he asked God to remove them. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, no, but I am with you, that's all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Say it with me. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I'm glad to boast about how weak I am, Paul said. I'm glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and my own abilities. Truth is, as long as you believe you are self-sufficient, that's all the power you get. You want more? Acknowledge you have limitations. Got it? Ready to move on? Four parts. We'll be here all day if we don't move on. So we got that one? Part number two is I have to believe in his limitless power. I have to admit my limited power. I must believe in his power. I mean, that's a simple one. We'll spend a lot of time on it. But, uh, but I need you to, to just understand the simplicity of it all. Before you can appropriate his power, you have to believe he has it. Does that make sense? So how much power does he have? Jeremiah 32, 17, all sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Read it with me. Nothing is too hard for you. That tells me God never gets tired. He never gets frustrated. Everything he does, he does easily. Right? Just as easy for him to answer a prayer as it is to create a universe. Luke says all things are possible with God. So let me do pause for a minute before we get into parts three and four, and, uh, and let, me, let me build your faith a little bit, okay? Let me just kind of stretch your faith a little bit. 
Uh, Jim, that sounds great to say we serve a God who has limitless power, but can you give me some evidence of that? Well, as a matter of fact, I can give you three right off the top of my head. The one that's most common, that's around every day, is the creation that he spoke into existence. Psalm 19, 1 and 2, the heavens tell the glory of God, and the skies announce what his hands have made. Day after day, they tell the story. Night after night, they tell it again. I mean, we're talking about the God who just spoke, and the world came into existence. I mean, he said, let there be, and there was. <laughs> I mean, you talk about power. He said, let there be light. That's all he said. And, and suddenly, there's uh, sun and stars and moons and planets and moons around those planets and stars into the ethos. I mean, it's just, he said, let there be uh, water and there were oceans and rivers and lakes. He said, divide the land by the waters and you can see where Africa once fit into South America and Central America and then God divided it and put water between it. I mean, you can see the hand of God in just that simple word. He said, let there be life in those waters. Let there be fish. He didn't have to say, let there be drum and trout and spot and make fried catfish the most delicious of the group. He didn't have to say that. He just said, let there be life in there. And then he said, let there be vegetation and the earth turn green. As just he spoke. Now, a little detail that's important. Zach, our youngest son, lives here, part of the Bridge family, is here. He will attest to this, that the one thing from the vegetation that didn't come in that moment, we're confident of it, is collards. <laughs> because collards are part of the fall. They came after the fall. What? They're not part of the thorns and thistles? I think they are. That's just... This is a little side truth for you to mull over and decide whether you like me anymore or not. <laughs> but hear me, guys. What am I saying? That's, that's what I call power. He spoke, and there it is, and you get to see it every day. The sun has never forgotten to come up one time. It happens. And speaking of the sun, did you know that it produces more energy in one second than has been used by mankind in all of our history? And that at its current rate, it will burn for another 30 billion years? Well, if the sun has that much power, how much more does the one who created it have? Come on. Second evidence that comes to mind is Jesus, the life of Jesus. Read through the Gospels and you'll see story after story that demonstrates his amazing power. I mean, he had power over nature. There's one time he's in a boat and a storm comes and his own disciples are scared they're going to drown. And Jesus is asleep. He's not bothered by it. And when he finally woke him up, he just said to the waves, sit down and shut up. Okay, King James, peace be still. But I like sit down and shut up. I just Bottom line is it just, just kind of leveled out right there. I was telling the story to a group of kids one time about the time that Jesus spoke to the tree and it withered. And one little kid spoke up and said, man, that's what I call bad breath. <laughs> Jesus demonstrated power over illness. He healed the blind and the lame and the deaf and blood diseases and leprosy, the worst disease of the day. He had power over death. He went to a funeral one time and told everybody to go home because the girl isn't dead. And they all laughed until he brought her out by the hand and showed her to them. He had power over demons. One time he told the demons to come out of a man and sent them into some pigs who ran off into the sea. By the way, just a little side note here. That's where deviled ham comes from. I don't know if you know that, but that's, 
Another one of those little truths that kind of help you on your way. What am I saying in a silly kind of way? God's power supply is limitless. So much so I could just spend the rest of the day telling stories about the demonstration of his power. But can I tell you that the most thrilling demonstration or evidence of his power is our lives? Who we could have been, probably would have been if he hadn't come into our lives. And some of you are still hoping that he will come into yours or knowing you need for him to come into yours and the potentials that are there. That's why Paul prayed, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He goes on to say the same power that God used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you. How great is that power? I don't know. It's up to you. It's up to you. You get to decide how much of that power gets released in your life. Believe me, his power is limitless, but you have to believe it before it's available. Mark 9, 23, everything is possible for him who believes. I didn't put that in your notes today. For him who believes. Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith will it be done to you. All of which begs the question. i got to move on, but i got to ask the question. What are you expecting God to do in your life? I mean, right now, if I ask you to write it down, what are you expecting God to do in your life? What are you expecting God to do through your life? If you acknowledge your limitations, but at the same time acknowledge his limitless nature, then maybe that impacts what you believe God can do, will do in and through you and, 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 and I could have used the bridge as evidence of God's power. I mean, you think about this September, we're coming up on our 100th anniversary as a church. Is that phenomenal? That's hard to believe. Yeah, come on, that's worth giving it up for. And we got a couple of members that have been here almost since the beginning. <laughs> you know, and they've seen, you just imagine the changes that they've watched in the 90 plus years that they've been around. The simple truth is, God has over and over and over again in this place done more than we dare to dream or think or ask. Even the transition that the elders were, were talking about this morning uh, and, and our first anniversary here, I told you my first Sunday that they have a name for guys like me. The guy who follows, the guy who's been here for 27 years and is loved as deeply as Farrell has loved and has done the job that Farrell did as your leader, they call guys like me sacrificial lamb. That's what they call me. But I said that day, those of you who are here, I said that day, it ain't going to happen to us. And we chanted together, it ain't going to happen to us. And it ain't happening to us. Amen. It ain't happening to us. Because God is able to do more than, than any of us dare to dream or think or ask. In fact, more people have come to Christ in these first six months than in any single six-month period in the history of the church. God is at work in our lives. But since Jesus hasn't come yet, there must be something more he wants us to do. Are you with me? 
That's why the Multiply and Mature plan is out there. If you haven't heard of it, there's, they're posted in the lobby out there. Take the ownership class. Pastor Andy will walk you through it and show you some of the goals that we've set, the visions that we have for the future. I read through that statement on a regular basis. I pray over that statement on a regular basis. And every time I do, I get a lump in my throat and I swallow hard. It's like, mm, okay, uh, how in the world is all of that going to happen? I mean, that's not possible. It, it just it can't be done. It's filled with visions and goals that are way beyond us. But the good news is it's not dependent on what we can do. It's not. It's only dependent on what we're willing to believe him for and how hard we're willing to work putting our part into it. That's the only thing that's dependent on. So what am I saying? I'm saying whether you're talking about creation or your life or the church family, you show me your goals and I'll show you how big your God is. You show me what you believe is going to happen in the next six months or six years if the Lord tarries his coming, and I'll show you how big your faith is in God because it's not based in your ability alone. It's based in the needs and our willingness to believe that God will work through us to meet those needs if we'll go after them. But to realize those goals, there are two parts so far, four in total. First, you've got to acknowledge your own limit, not limits. And then you have to acknowledge his limitless power. It gets harder as we go, by the way. Part number four is we have to speak in line with his awesome power. We have to speak in line with his awesome power. Look at the scriptures, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken with that same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore Speak. In other words, it's not enough to set a goal in your head, in your heart. You've got to state with your mouth what you believe God is, is speaking to you and what God is going to, to do. When you say, I believe God has called me to thus and so, that's a statement of faith. That's what it is. It's, if you wait until it's done, then that's not faith, that's thank you. That's gratitude. It has to be done in advance. And so James said the tongue is the rudder of life. The way you talk about yourself, about others, about relationships, about what God's going to do in you and through you ultimately directs the course of your life. That's what he's saying. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So i got to ask, um, what are you saying these days about your marriage? What, what are you saying about your life? What are you saying about your health? What are you saying about your finances? What are you saying about your kids? I mean, are you believing God for a miracle but then shortcutting it by the way you talk? I mean, is that possible? Is that something that you might be doing? Because when you say you believe and then turn around and prove that you don't believe with your words, you just short-circuited God's power in your life. Remember, three parts. So are you praying uh, for God to save your marriage, but then you're saying to people, my marriage stinks, I'm married to a jerk, guess what? You just block God's power from healing your marriage with your very words. Are you saying, I'm believing that my kids are going to grow up and serve the Lord and be a, a wonderful part of, of society and of the world, and I'm believing that, but then with your mouth, you're saying to your friends, my kids are incorrigible. They're just, they're just, they're, they're just a bunch of losers. I don't know how I got stuck with these kids. Are you saying to them, heaven forbid, but I've heard parents say it, I wish you'd never been born? Are you praying that God will set you free from addiction 
and all the while saying, you know, this is just the way I am. I'll never be free. So what are you saying as a demonstration of what you've chosen to believe? Hear me, guys. God's power is not automatic. You must first admit that you have limitations. You must believe then that he has no limitations. And then you go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. And you speak with faith. And that's when it gets scary. I told you it's harder as you go, right? The fourth part is you've got to start acting then based on his demonstrated power. You start acting based on his demonstrating power. Can I tell you the number of people that I've seen? I can't put a number on it, but it's huge. The number of people that I've seen through the years who get one, two, and three down and stop and they wonder why God doesn't show up. Hear me, th- this premise includes all four parts. Did I mention it's not a pick and choose, it's not a best of three or best of four, it's all four? You have to step out in faith in order for God's power to be released. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you, are you saying that, that I have to act as though I have the power even though I don't feel the power in order to get the power? Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying it doesn't work the, this way where we say, you know, well, well, as soon as I start feeling it, I'll start serving. As soon as I start feeling, I'll start tithing. As soon as I start feeling, I'll become an owner and I'll get all in to this church thing. I, I, I'll work on my marriage as soon as I start feeling like it. I'll share my faith with the guy at work as soon as I feel like there's an opening. Well, guess what? You never will. As long as your eyes are on circumstances and how you feel about your circumstances, you, you will never feel like doing anything that you should do. This is, we're on earth, not heaven. Therefore, you'll never appropriate God's power for your need. And the result is you stay stuck trying to start or not really having the power to finish what needs to happen. Where am I getting this? Hebrews 11.1 is probably the clearest scripture I know. Faith is the substance of things that you can hold in your hand. Is that what it says? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you can see and say, oh, look what God did. No, it's the evidence of things not yet seen. Can I tell you just a quick personal story that illustrates this? And we're going to look at a biblical story right quick and we'll wrap. Many years ago, I used to be, I used to be scared of this number four. I used, to, I used to think it was humility not to do number four, that, that, that I was supposed to wait until God did something and then I followed him. And, and so I, I kind of kept my, you know, I, in fact, I used to say to people, if I told you my goals, you'd think I was crazy. And I thought I was being humble. I thought I was being, you know, uh, modest. And when I began to learn these principles many years ago, it, it dawned on me one day that I needed to say it. And so I, I actually was talking with a friend of mine one day and and, uh, and I said, I, I just need to say this. It's scary, and, and, and I'm nervous to say it, but I'm just going to say it out loud because I, I feel like I need to do this. And uh, he said, okay, go for it, man. And I said, I believe God's called me to plant 100 churches in my lifetime. And I was ready for him to laugh, and he did. But then he said, that's all? What, 100? That's it? 
And I walked away from that place having learned something about step three, that it is in saying it that you appropriate the ability to move to the fourth part, but you can't move to the fourth party uh, until you actually are ready to take an action step. So what did Kim and I do? We went to the Philippines. We planted churches for nine years, planted 67 churches in nine years. Came back to Chesapeake, Virginia, started a 68th church. We led that church for 25 years, and out of that church, we planted more churches. Action steps. A few years ago, about seven, eight years ago, we started an organization whose entire focus is church planting. 83 churches so far. And every now and then, I look in the mirror, and I see this white hair, and, and I feel the aches and pains, and how hard it is to get on the floor, and then get back off the floor, and I go, dude, you, got, you, got, you ain't got much time left to get these last 17 in. <laughs> you know, you're kidding yourself. And then this week, this week, I was invited to join a national task force with the goal of planting 50 churches next year. But you, you, do you see the progression of what I'm telling you? You have to say it, and then you have to start doing things that move you in that direction. In my world, it's all about planting churches. In your world, it's about whatever God's putting in your spirit, but the principle is the same. Your goal, your dream, your hopes are on the other side of believing, speaking, and acting. Let me, let me give you one illustration from Scripture, and we'll close. Children of Israel found themselves at the door of the promised land. Moses had led them through the wilderness for that 40 years, and, and then he went to his reward, and now Joshua has taken the lead, and they're about to cross uh, the Jordan uh, the word goes out to the people, prepare yourself, sanctify your hearts, the Bible says, and, and then trust your leaders because uh, we're going to move. And in three days' time, they started preparing and walking toward the Jordan River to get to the other side. But it was spring, and the river was at flood stage, and it was raging. And, and, and I just imagine as they're working toward that, they can see that raging river, Joshua 3.13. As soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan... Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So imagine the, the people are walking toward the river. It's at flood stage, and the closer they get, the wider their eyes are getting, and they're going, oh, Lord, we're going to drown. But while we have limits, we can't ford a river like that. God has no limits, and he's told us to do this. And we trust our leaders. We're going to follow them. And here's what the Bible said. When they set their foot in the river, that's when the waters flowing downstream will be cut off. They had to act on what God told them before they saw him doing it in order to set it up for him to do what he promised to do. Is this making sense? So here's the bottom line. i got to close. God, God wants to share his power with you. He wants to operate in your life. But you've got to follow the steps. You've got to admit uh, that you have need. You've got to believe in his limitless power. You've got to speak in faith. Align your words with what you're saying you believe. And then you've got to step out in faith. You've got to step out in advance of seeing it, feeling it, touching it. Uh, the, uh, and, and by faith, believe that God's going to do something in you. If you're waiting for God to do the miracle before you start... The reality is God's waiting on you to do the miracle.
So let's get real practical, practical and I'll shut up. I see the clock, I promise. I'm going to let you go. Um, if you've been struggling to relate to the jerk at work, don't look at him if he's here, but you know. Ask yourself the question, how would a loving person act toward him regardless of who he is? I mean, if I were patient, how would I act? If I were friendly, how would I act? If I admitted that I, was, that I had a need because I can't stand this guy, but God has power to do more than I dare to dream or think or ask, and I started speaking as though I believe God is doing this and then started acting in those ways, what do you think would happen to your relationship with the jerk at work? I don't know, but you might be amazed to find out that hurting people hurt people, and he's just waiting for somebody to be kind to him so that he can respond. But even if he doesn't, you've just changed into a loving, patient person that God can bless. See, you didn't do it for a response. You did it to line yourself up with God's word. How about your marriage? If you need to admit that the romance is dead, then admit it. But say, God, you've got the power to jumpstart this thing. And then you start acting romantically. You start doing, you date your mate. I mean, you start doing the things that you did when you first got married that produced all those ocean of emotions, trusting that God somehow is going to make up the difference. You see, this is practical. This isn't theoretical. This is real life stuff. And you pray, God, give me the desire. If you don't have the you know, it's, I'm not even sure I want to do that. Well, then pray for the desire. Well, I'm trying. I'm not sure if I can keep going. Well, then pray for the power. But when you step out in faith, that's what makes the difference. I could give you more illustrations, but I ask you to fill in the blank. You'd figure out what it is you want to apply this to. The bottom line is this. Am I willing to acknowledge my limitations, to believe that God has no limitations, Am I willing to think about how I speak so that my words align with what I say I believe? And then will I step out in faith? If you will, by authority of God's word, you can expect God's power to be released in your life. Let's pray for that now. Father, we're tired of the cultural lie that I believe I can fly. Truth is, I have limitations. Pray with me, guys. Pray in your own words, but pray it with me. Truth is, life is throwing stuff at me that is overwhelming. It's bigger than I am. I don't even know what to do sometimes about it. I have limitations. But I see who you are. I know what the Bible says, whether I feel it or not. I know the truth. And the truth is, you have no limits. So would you help me to start speaking what I believe? To talking in faith terms. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I'm looking forward to God showing up. I know God's going to do more than I dare to think or ask. Just quoting scripture in your conversations. And then, Lord, will you give me either desire or the power or both to act according to my faith, even when it is the evidence of things not seen, 
that which is hoped for. And then I'm trusting somehow you will show up and do what you said you would do. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for just a minute. You may have been listening to all these things today, either in the room or online, and and you're thinking, I'm not sure I even know this God personally. You said it wasn't an impersonal force. It was a personal God who knows what I need. I'm not sure I know what I need, and I'm not sure I know him. What I need you to understand is that this power is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so the beginning of this whole journey is to ask him, Jesus Christ, to come into your life and establish him as Lord of your life. And from that foundation, from that base, you begin to include these different parts of appropriating his power. So if you're not absolutely sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, would you pray a simple prayer with me before you go? Go something like this, do in your own words if you like, but Jesus, I need you. Thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. Thank you for dying for me but coming back for me. Thank you for loving me that much even while I was ignoring you. Even while I was living the lie, if it is to be, it is up to me. Now give me a fresh start today. And help me to do it your way this time. In Jesus' name.